I have a confession to make. I had the idea to write a book for years before I finally put pen to paper and published the book. So the big question is this, how do people like me who battle doubt and insecurity push past their fears and publish a book? Well, that is the question, and this podcast is going to give you the answers. So join me as I bring you behind-the-scenes interviews and insights so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. This episode of Publishing Secrets is sponsored by the Connect and Convert Content Club for Christian Authors. You know what? I get it. You just want to glorify God, write, connect with your readers, and earn a comfortable living. You don't want to be stuck in this never-ending cycle of planning, researching, and creating content. You know that you need to build an author platform. You've heard that again and again, but the question is how? With everything that I have on my plate, How do I do this in a way that really connects with my audience? Well, here's the good news. The Connect and Convert Content Club was created with you in mind. It's going to relieve the stress, save you time, and help you build a brand and a following quickly. So join us in the Connect and Convert Content Club. You'll find the link in the show notes to learn more, and you'll never have to worry about what to post again. Have you ever thought to yourself, How did I end up here again? Now, the key word here is again, because I don't know about you, but I want to believe that if I truly and sincerely take something to God and I ask him to help me with it and to transform me from the inside out, that my prayer will instantly be answered (laughs) and I will be transformed into that new person that never makes the mistake, that never misjudges again. But if you've been walking with God long enough, you know that that's often not how it happens. As a matter of fact, transformation is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And sometimes we do find ourselves in similar situations again and again as God works in us and through us to transform us, mind, body, and spirit. And such is the case for my guest this week on Publishing Secrets, Corey Sullivan. She had to go through her own transformation process, but the good news is now she is helping others transform and realize that there is in fact destiny after divorce. And she has a message for those of you that may be feeling a little unworthy, that may be feeling fear about moving forward. Corey is going to inspire you to pick up your pen and write for the glory of God. Enjoy. All right. Well, Corey, welcome to Publishing Secrets. So excited about the opportunity to talk with you today about your journey as an author and the ministry that God has given you. Thank you for making time to be here with us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor to be on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. 
Well, Corey, it's been quite a journey for you. We had a chance to talk a bit before we officially got started. And it was interesting to me to learn how you kind of officially entered the world of writing and publishing. Tell us a little bit about your first project and how that came to be. Well, I had thought about, you know, writing a book about my testimony. And then one day in church, our pastor announced to everybody in the entire congregation that the Lord had shown him that there are a lot of books that need to be written in this congregation. So what he did is he challenged all of us to write that book. And this was like in the spring of 2010. And so I started to write that book and a lot of other people wrote their book. And then he was going to have a night where we would all display our books and be able to sell them and speak to people. And he would invite people from the church and other areas to come in and see what we were doing. So there were a lot of us that wrote books for that reason at that time. Mm -hmm. So just sharing your personal testimony, your personal story I find that so cool that your pastor kind of issued that challenge to everyone because so many people have stories within them Mm -hmm. and they just need someone to come along and say that you have permission to share your story. But that wasn't the only story that God would have you to tell. So let's talk a little bit about your journey to this next book. As I kind of prepared for our conversation today and I saw how God specifically woke you up to write this book. I thought, wow, that means that this was really important. It was something Mm -hmm. that needed to get out. And you were the person that had been assigned to do it. Can you take us to that day and what God specifically asked you to do? Well, I had been, it was in September and I had been crying out since the first of the year of 2012 for Lord, what is all this for? What are these divorces for? What's all this pain, the trauma and chaos that had been in my life? And um, he woke me up at three o'clock on September 12th of 2012 and said, I want you to war against the ravages of divorce. And I thought, okay, how do I do that? I have no idea. I'd written this other book and I wasn't even thinking books at that time. I was just thinking, how do I do this? And so he said, I'm going to give you the curriculum. You need to write it, get a pen and a paper and write it down. So I did. I wrote it all down. I typed it up and I went in and saw the pastor at our church who was the pastor over marriages and counseling and family issues and divorce and that kind of thing. And he took it to the pastoral staff and um, every single one of them approved it. I think we had 19 people on the staff at that point. So in January of 2013, I started teaching Destiny After Divorce. And it was a divorce recovery ministry that I've gone on to help probably, you know, thousands of people with. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even think about putting it into a book until 2016. And he said, it's time to put it in a book. So I wrote the book and then I also made a workbook to go with it. And then I've used it in my class ever since. I have done the class twice a year since 2013, a few times in the summer. So sometimes three times up until COVID. 
And then I did it online to finish out a class that I had started. And then kind of the Lord showed me it was time to take everything online because everything else was going online in COVID. So I did that. And it became, so Destiny After Divorce became a bestseller in January of 2017. I released it in January of 2017. And, you know, my whole prayer is that it blesses a whole lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, we were talking about this book and, and why it was so important for you to write it, because there are many things that those that go through divorce have to battle And there isn't always a ton of support for people that are going through that process. That's true. Yeah. Especially within the church. You know, we've kind of talked about how, you know, church is often geared towards married, those with with married, with children, with families. Right. And so then there are the divorced. There are those that are single that sometimes may feel like they don't have a place. And so mm-hmm. your book, Destiny After Divorce, is such an important topic to give people hope that there are others that are dealing with some of the same things that they are. And then your book guides them through the process of recovery. One of the things that you shared is that one of your favorite scriptures kind of guiding you through this process was Jeremiah 29 and 11. Talk to us a little bit about why that scripture was so instrumental for you. Well, prior in 2008-9, I was in the construction industry. I had a construction company. And just like a lot of other construction companies, we had financial issues because of the banks going under and all these kinds of things. Plus, I had gone through a divorce prior to that fairly soon before that. And so it was just like, what, you know, Lord, all of this chaos of being married and divorced more than once, I'd been married and divorced actually four times by then. And um, thinking that this last marriage was really going to be a really sound God-centered marriage. But on our honeymoon, I found that he was abusive physically and emotionally and Then after we got back from our honeymoon, he was leaving the house in the morning for work and um, turned to me and he said, you know, I had the strangest dream last night. And I said, okay. And he goes, yeah, I dreamt I choked you to death in your sleep. And I go, inside of me is going like, because I'd been crying out since our honeymoon and he had been abusive then as to what was I going to do and what had I done to myself? And um, the Lord just, you know, brought Jeremiah 29, 11 back in. I I will work this out for good. I have plans for good. And uh, yeah, went and met with my pastor. You know, we talked a little bit about that. And he basically just said he would misrepresented himself. And then as I looked at it down the road, he was really narcissistic you know, had love bombed me all the time we were dating. My mistake was I allowed myself to get married to him too soon because he wouldn't have been able to carry that behavior through for real long. Displayed a little bit of it the week before, but I just thought that was wedding jitters. I was having some wedding jitters myself. So anyway, Jeremiah 29, 11 was my mantra from 2009 up until today and still is and probably will be forever. 
Hmm. It's such a horrifying experience to have thought, and you said this in your book, I thought I did it right this time. And then to have this person basically turn into someone else on your honeymoon and realize that it wasn't going to work out once again. But you know, as you've been working with people in your curriculum, that there are many that find themselves in this situation. Um, Mm -hmm. I wonder if, Corey, just for a moment, you could share some advice. Maybe there's someone that's listening with us right now that is in one of these relationships or is going through divorce and they're having to live through what we have been talking about. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give them as they're kind of navigating this right now? You know, I would highly recommend that they really get with a pastor or someone who is very well grounded with the Lord, you know, in a relationship spiritually, emotionally for some guidance. I am a certified life coach and I can do some support for that, but it's also very important to have some support locally with a pastor or, you know, a mentor, you know, in the church. The most important thing is to get to a place of safety because the narcissist can get quite nasty. And probably one of the biggest challenges is that sometimes your family doesn't understand or believe that they're that way, that they're narcissistic, because maybe to the family and to friends, he displayed the love bomb guy, you know, who was doing all these wonderful things and was very demonstrative with, you know, time, money, gifts, attention, and all of that kind of thing. And so when you come to them and say, this is what happened, they sometimes think that, you know, they discount it because maybe you're just overreacting and, you know, whatever. But when somebody says to you that they dreamt that they choked you to death in your sleep and they outweigh you about by 80 or 90 pounds, you pretty much want to sit up and take notice. Or if you're in a relationship where they're keeping you from being with your friends and isolating you, that is a huge narcissist trait. They want you all to themselves. They want you to basically worship the ground they walk on and be at their every beck and call, you know, and it's very, very, uh, it's so harmful to our spirits because, you know, what actually happens to the victim of a narcissist, you typically lose yourself. So you need support. You need someone who's going to come alongside and say, come here, come here, come here. Let me hold your hand. Let me help you through this. I have a couple of clients that have their former husbands would not allow them to have a cell phone unless he could clone, you know, track all the calls you got and all the text messages so that they were up on everything. And that was, you know, they couldn't even have a conversation because with anybody, because he knew exactly what was being said at all times. And then I've had another man whose wife was a narcissist and Basically, he was starting to wake up to the fact that she was a narcissist. He uh, had broken his leg in two places. So he was he had all this metal going on in his bones and keeping everything together and had just come out of surgery and just gotten home for rehab. And her announcement was, you need to move out now. In the middle of COVID with just coming out of surgery where he had 
plates put in and couldn't even use his leg, you know, because she recognized that he was getting onto her game. And they really have a tendency once they realize that you're onto their game, they really and truly try to clamp down harder because they know they're about to lose Mm -hmm. their victim. People really should be paying attention to warning signs. Mm -hmm. I also heard you say earlier, give yourself time in the relationship. Give yourself time. Yes. See how they work through the holidays. See how they really interact with their family. This man that I married had a surface relationship with his family, but not a healthy relationship. And I guess I just, they lived in another state and I just attributed that to, they lived in another state. So, you know, they just didn't have that close relationship, but no, that was not the reason. (laughs) It was undercover, but it was there that he wasn't really who he had presented himself to be. And then always have somebody that you're accountable to when you are dating someone, Mm -hmm. someone that knows you and knows your weaknesses and maybe your history and definitely your history so that they can hold you accountable to, you know, when you say, well, oh, he or she did this and that was just amazing, you know, but that keeps happening over. And so you're gaga, but there's nothing ever wrong. There's anybody who's perfect and nobody is going to be completely a perfect match. There's areas you're going to need to work on. And yes, with a God-centered marriage, you should be able to work on anything. But if one person in that marriage is, he's the God or she's the God, that's going to be very challenging. Mm -hmm. Great advice for those that are in relationships and really need to be paying attention to who they're in relationship with. I Mm -hmm. want to talk a little bit about those that are dealing with the other side of divorce. One of the things that you talk about in your book is that you actually had a question as to whether or not God still loved you on the other side of divorce. Talk to us about why you think a person who's gone through divorce could battle this and how did you get past it? Well, I didn't mention this in our conversation earlier, but My youngest brother, after I was divorced from my daughter's dad, said, well, God's never going to use you. You're used up. You're washed up. So you just as well move on and live your life the best you can. And I grew up in a church that, yeah, they taught that divorce was wrong and that divorce, you know, you could easily go to hell for divorce. (laughs) And, you know, and unfortunately, that is taught sometimes in different churches, but that is not God's heart. And first of all, God is not about, you know, what he's about is about the relationship. And so if we repent for our part in the divorce and we, you know, confess to him that we're sorry and we turn from that, you know, we go and we seek out a, First of all, we get the healing that we need so that we can move into a relationship that's going to be healthy. And we seek out those healthier relationships, those God-centered relationships. Then, you know, we can move into a marriage. He still loves us and he forgives us. You know, you're not going to tell your son or daughter that you don't love them anymore because they're divorced now. 
And he's our heavenly father. So he certainly isn't going to tell us that. So he wants us to know that he still loves us. He hates divorce, but he still loves the divorcee or the divorced because he sees all the pain and the hurt and he wants us to be healed. He wants us to turn from those situations because we can't walk out our destiny if we're not whole and healed. You know, and you talked about a little bit earlier that, you know, one of the things that you've realized and you hope others take away is that a good marriage is two whole people coming together. Exactly. You cannot come into a marriage and expect that marriage to be a really well-balanced marriage is hard enough when you bring two people together. But if you are not healed within yourself and you haven't gone through the healing process and you haven't really and truly gotten to the roots of the things that caused those mistakes and those bad judgments, you know, of maybe marrying that person initially or causing you to be triggered in the marriage. Um, And then certainly things happen as you go through the divorce process. People say horrible things when they go through a divorce to each other. And, you know, that's really hurts our hearts because we're going through abandonment, rejection, feeling unloved and those things. And the Lord wants to heal those things so that you can walk into a place of being whole and balanced so that you can move into a marriage that is whole and balanced. Two broken people do not make a whole person. Mm-hmm. You know, as I sit here and uh, listen to you, Corey, it reminds me of something that you shared earlier, that there is so much power in our testimony. You've mm-hmm. had experiences that uniquely qualify you to speak on this subject. And I think, you know, just the curriculum that you've developed, those that you've been working with twice a year, sometimes three times a year, those that you're coaching can benefit from working with you and perhaps a way that they wouldn't with someone else that hasn't been through these experiences. So I wonder if you may have a word for someone who's in the process maybe of writing their book or getting their book published where they're sharing their story, their testimony. From your point of view, why is it so important that they follow through on this and really get their story out there? You know, once I did my testimonial book, my initial book that I wrote, and people read it, I realized how many people out there had gone through some of the things that I'd gone through when I was growing up that caused some of the wounds that played into some of the mistakes I made in getting married when I did and the person that I chose to be married to and those kinds of things. Because... We want to think that we're really unique, (laughs) but really and truly, we are human. And when we are broken humans, with broken hearts, with wrong teaching from early on, whether it came from church, family, a school situation, whatever, and we are not functioning as the Lord designed us to be, you know, walking with him, balanced leaving our pains and wounds with him and moving forward into whatever he has for us. Until we do those things, we can't really and truly walk into our destiny because our story is part of what propels us into our destiny. 
I never thought I'd be writing books and doing things online, you know, with master classes and putting product together for online. And no, that was nothing that was on my radar. <laughs> God had an, another plan. As you said, he has a good plan for you and for those that are listening to us. So Corey, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that our listening audience knows how to get a copy of Destiny After Divorce and is able to keep up with all of the great things that you are up to now, maybe even wanting to be a part of your upcoming masterclass or your coaching programs. Where's the best place for our listening audience to go? Well, I do have a website and you can get my book off of the website. Uh, my website address is Sullivan, and I spell Corey, C-O-R-E-E, Sullivan, S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N.com. You'll find my Destiny After Divorce book there. I haven't posted my first book on there yet, but I will be doing that soon. And my masterclass, you will need to email me because that's not on there yet. We're going through some changes as well and getting some things put on there, but I know that it's not on there yet. I was hoping they would be on there today. So you can reach me at C-O-R-E-E-S at MSN.com. And I'm using that address right now because my web address, in case my site happens to be down as we're doing something, I don't want to miss anything from anybody who would really and truly want support and help and really is my heart to do that because I would have loved to have had somebody like me come into my life way before all this happened to help me, to guide me, to be a mentor. Amen. Well, I'm so thankful that you answered the call and that you are now able to be a resource for others. So we'll make sure that we uh, drop the website address in the show notes so that anyone that wants to grab a copy of the book We'll also be able to find the link there. And prayerfully, by the time this episode airs, everything will be up and running. Perfect. Before we go, I wonder if you could share just one final piece of advice with our listening audience. As you know, many of them are aspiring authors that need to work through fear to get their book out there. And I got to imagine that as you were going through the process of sharing your story, you had to battle some fears as well. What would your number one piece of advice be to that aspiring writer that needs a little encouragement to move forward? Just to walk through the door of fear to make that happen because the Lord put that inside you. And if you're compelled to write down some things about your life, or whatever your story is, maybe it's not about your life, but maybe something that you do that will help other people in some way. The Lord put all of that in you to be able to go out and share it with other people to help his people. You know, we are to be his hands and feet. And by taking the initiative and writing the book and being, you have to be intentional to sit down maybe twice a week or once a day. I don't know what your schedule is like. For me, I needed to be looking at what I was doing at least every other day and writing something or maybe going back and going over some, I don't know how many times I rewrote, you know, phrases and paragraphs and sometimes whole chapters just, you know, because I 
okay, Lord, is this what you really wanted me to put in here? Is this what you want the people who are going to be reading this? Because you need to be writing the book, not from where you are. You need to be writing the book from where the reader is going to be coming from. And what is going to bless them the most? And what is going to help them? Certainly, things that helped you will help them. But there are things that the Lord wants you to place in there that you may think are very insignificant. And then when you talk to somebody who read your book, they're going to go, oh, and then you put this in there and you're going to go like, really? That was important? I didn't even think about that. You know, I would have not put that in there had the Lord not told me to do that. So let the Lord be your co-author. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode of Publishing Secrets, where our mission is to inspire you to write, publish, and profit in a way that honors God. If this episode has been a blessing to you, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, then rate and review. And if you want support in your journey, whether you are a current author or an aspiring author, then join us on Facebook in the Christian Authors Network. Wherever you are in your journey, we have the best next step for you. So join us there and get the support that you need to make the impact that you have been called to make. Until next time, God bless.